Ian, I I hate this movie. I'm just gonna. That was my life. I'm never getting back in. <laughs> so how much did you like it, Ian? Did you love it? You know what? I actually really liked God it. God damn it, Ian. <laughs> this is going to be our most dividing one yet, I swear. What time is it? It's 9 p.m. What do you mean? What do you mean? That can't be right. The sky is blue. It's fine. It's Sweden. That's not fine. Why is it like that? It's okay, Mark. It's the midnight sun. Well, High Rip has a fear. Oh, no, you're doing the intro, huh? Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> We today watched a bad movie. No, it's not. Come on. <laughs> but uh, it is, uh, I'm Marshall. And I'm Ian. And today we'll be talking about Midsummer, And we're going to be collecting the opinions of our audiences as well. Yeah, it's, it's actually Midsummer. I, I, it's just garbage. <laughs> that's, that's all. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a folk horror film made in 2019 and is written and directed by Ari Aster, who, of course, also wrote and directed Hereditary a year prior, a movie that you also loved. Absolutely. <laughs> now, I I meant to start including movie vote winners last episode. Oh, yeah. Um. So f- for those of you who don't know, uh, we do like a discord vote every week to decide on a movie. We have like a theme. Uh, we take an audience recommendation, and then we each provide a movie as well to that theme, and then we see what wins. Uh, last episode, Teeth, that was the winner of our Women Empowerment theme night and was recommended by audience member Schmoopy. And this time, uh, of course, Midsommar won uh, for our Cults theme night and was a recommendation from audience member Alex. So there you go. Thanks, Alex. So both times our movies did not get picked. Um, so I guess. Dude, my movie didn't even get voted on. And my movie's so much better than this movie. <laughs> Pick this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Well, um, do you want do you want to do you want to tease away a little bit, Ian, before we uh before we get too into it? Yep. I'll I'll give a little a little teaser. All right. <clears throat> Traumatized by family troubles, Danny becomes more reliant than ever on the support from her emotionally distant boyfriend, Christian. When Christian and his friends are invited to attend a midsummer festival at a rural community in Sweden, he reluctantly decides to invite Danny as well. While initially the festivities seem perky and fun, it doesn't take long before some in the tourist group become wary of the cultish traditions. The glistening rays and bright ensembles are but a veneer covering what lurks in the shadows of Midsommar. Uh, Ian, what did you rate this movie? Just, just, just tell me. <laughs> just tell me what amazing rating you gave this. Uh, I don't know movie. if I should tell you. Our audience already disappointed me with their rating. So you, <laughs> you can't. I don't, it just doesn't get worse. Uh, I give this movie an 8 out of 10. Oh my god. Dude. I, I give this movie a freaking 2 out of 10. I hate this movie. God. Dude, our lowest one was a 5, but then it's like in the range of 7s to 10s. This is insane. I don't understand how people got enjoyment out of this movie. Uh, our audience's average score was a 7.7. 7. Uh mm-hmm. Why? Well, we'll talk about that. You'll you'll give all the good <laughs> stuff. I'll tell you everything that's wrong with it, and we'll just uh, yeah. we'll just have to see. It'd be great. It'd be great. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's I w- I would give a little like this is the main thing they did wrong, but like there's just too much. So, uh, how about we just hear away your summary, Ian, and then we'll we'll just dive right in. Yeah, and for me, there was just so much to love. <laughs> Uh, we'll see, we'll see. But yep. this, dude, All right. this movie burned my chicken pot pie emotionally. That's what it did. Oh, no. I hate this movie. Emotionally. It didn't <laughs> even require a chicken pot pie no. to make you mad. The oven was off, dude. 
<laughs> but the gears were a turning. Holy crap. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, uh, I'll give a summary and uh, then I, I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. Psychology student Danny Odor receives a strange and dark message from her troubled sister, Terry, and afterwards can't seem to reach either her or their parents. Despite her boyfriend, Christian, telling her not to take the message seriously, as Terry's done similar things before, Danny goes to check on her. What she finds traumatizes her deeply, as both her parents and Terry have died through inhaling carbon monoxide from car exhaust. Several months later, she learns that Christian and his friends Mark and Josh have been invited by their Swedish friend Pell to attend a midsummer celebration at his ancestral commune, Iherga, in rural Helsingland. The celebration occurs once every 90 years, and Josh wants to write his anthropology thesis on European midsummer festivals. Christian says you've got this special week planned. Yeah. It's sort of a crazy nine-day festival my family's doing. Lots of pageantry and uh-huh. special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. It'll probably seem very silly, but it's like theater. Christian hid the trip from Danny and had intended to break up with her before leaving, but found it difficult concerning what she had been through. He invites her along after she finds out about it, although he doesn't think she will actually come. Upon arrival, they meet Simon and Connie, an English couple from London who are invited by Pell's communal brother, Ingemar. He offers the whole group psychedelic mushrooms. Danny is reluctant, but doesn't want to spoil it for everyone else. She has a bad trip and visualizes her deceased family. Hey. How long was I asleep? I mean... We found you here like six hours ago. (laughs) The day after their arrival, the group witnesses an Atastupa, where two elders commit suicide by jumping from a nearby cliff onto a stone platform. When one of the elders survives the fall, the Kami members mimic his wails of agony and crush his skull with a mallet. While all the visitors are shocked, Simon and Connie are especially horrified and confused and yell at the commune members for letting this happen. Commune elder Siv attempts to calm them, explaining how every member does this once they reach the age of 72. However, Simon and Connie remain adamant that they'll be leaving the following morning. Christian decides to write his anthropology thesis on the Herga, angering Josh, who calls him a copycat. This is what I've been working toward, and you know it. That's why you look so guilty right now, because you know, you know that what you're doing is unethical and leechy and lazy, and, and frankly, it's kind of sad. Danny tells Pell that she wants to leave, but he manages to convince her to stay. He explains how he knows what she's feeling, as his own parents died in a fire, and how the community acts as his home and his family. He questions if Christian provides her with such support. He's my good friend and I like him, but... Danny, do you feel held by him? Does he feel like home to you? Connie prepares to leave, but cannot find Simon. She's informed by one of the Herka that he has been driven to a nearby train station, and she will be brought to him when the driver returns. Connie finds it incredibly hard to believe that Simon would just leave her. That doesn't even make any sense. He would have told me. Today's only train leaves 90 minutes. It takes about 35 minutes to go there and back, so they didn't want to waste time. So I could have sat on his lap? Yes, Simon mentioned that too, but, you know, we, we don't break traffic laws. Okay? Meanwhile, Mark unknowingly urinates on the commune's ancestral tree, where all the ashes of the deceased are spread and Josh is shown the commune's sacred runic texts. By dinner, Connie is gone as well, hence the remaining group is told that she was driven to the train station. Soon after, Mark is lured away from dinner by fellow member Inga, who had been eyeing him since he got there. Hey, 
back, I guess. She's going to show me. That night, Josh stays awake in order to take photographs of the commune's sacred texts after being refused by the elders earlier. He is interrupted by someone wearing a skin mask of Mark's face and is hit over the head from behind and dragged away. The next day, Danny and Christian are informed that Mark and Josh are missing along with parts of the sacred text. Danny is given Hedega clothing, along with a hallucinogenic drink, before participating in a maypole dancing competition, where she wins and is crowned the May Queen. You are our May Queen. Me? Yes! Why? You won! What does that mean? At the same time, Christian is drugged and engages in a sex ritual designed to impregnate Maya, a young female member of the Herga, while older naked female members watch and mimic Maya's moans. Discovering this, Danny has a panic attack, and the commune's younger women surround her, mimicking her cries in an attempt to comfort her. After the ritual, Christian comes to his senses and tries to flee. He discovers Josh's leg planted in a flower bed and finds Simon blood eagled in a barn before being paralyzed by an elder using some mysterious dust. The commune leaders explain to Danny that to purge the coming of its evil, Nine human sacrifices must be offered every 90-year festival. The first four victims are the already dead outsiders, lured to them by Pell and Ingemar, Simon, Connie, Mark, and Josh. While the next four victims must be Kami members, the two elders who had already killed themselves, along with two volunteers. As Horga takes, so Horga also gives. As May Queen, Danny must choose either Christian or a local villager to be the final victim. Christian is still paralyzed and can only see and hear what is happening. Danny chooses him, and he is stuffed into a disemboweled brown bear's body and placed in a small triangular wooden temple alongside the other sacrifices. It is set on fire and the Kami members celebrate by mimicking the screams and wails of the two Kami members being burned alive. Danny sobs in horror, but begins to laugh as well. Man, what a what a great movie. <laughs> uh well, where where to start? Um Ian, so you like this movie because the characters are very involved, yes? Well, yeah, especially, so I actually, I really like Danny, and much like in Hereditary, the main actress's performance is so good. Um, she's so good at conveying emotion, and that makes her character feel so real, and I become very involved in that. Now, the other characters aren't incredible, but they're also not, they're not bad. Some may seem a little plot devicey, but even so, because I really like Danny's character so much, and it's kind of about her and her journey, that is definitely a huge part about why I like this movie. And you see, I do agree. the The actress did a fine job. Uh, her part, though, she just she's that character in Alien that just cries in the face of anything, and I just couldn't take it. Is she just like someone would offer her a drink, and she'd be like, I just miss my. She's like, Danny, shut up! Get over it! <laughs> God. Oh, poor Danny. I mean, and see, I understand. She had her tragedy. She had her woes. And I get that. And I liked I liked her whole dynamic with... Um, Christian was her boyfriend, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. Her whole dynamic with him, I liked in the beginning when... Uh, it was that kind of classic relationship thing of, like, he's her like constant go-to and like she relies on him too much and she's worried she's pushing him away by doing that 
he doesn't really want to be there because I, I mm-hmm. think a lot of us have been in a like in a relationship like that. And from there, I was like, look at that. An interesting, relatable thing that we don't see that often portrayed in movies. Yeah, for sure. And then but then they throw that out the window and the, it's like hardly it's only addressed as he doesn't care anymore. It's, it's just absurd. Mm-hmm. But like, so I get I guess she has her woes. And that's totally as a person that is 100 percent justifiable to be emotionally like, traumatized by that. Um, as a character, I just, that's not, that isn't what's going to interest me. I don't care to see you cry about everything every three seconds. I just, I, I grew weary of it. Yeah. And, and for me, uh, I just, I found her to be very, like, uh, I was able to sympathize with her so much just because her situation was so intense. Essentially, she had lost everything and all she had left was, was Christian. While I can see that her character was sad all the time and uh that might get tiring um i didn't i didn't find that to be the case with her like i was just i was interested in her journey well what what hurts me about her journey is she so she has her classic like low point of like oh no my boyfriend's doing sexual rituals with other girls um and (laughs) so she's all crying and then all those women cry around her and it's kind of weird and it's uncomfy and then she doesn't do anything to achieve, to redeem. She she just chooses Christian, and then she just smiles as he burns. And it's just like, okay, that's cool, Danny. Thanks for that. Um, she like What kills me most is that throughout the movie, there is no conflict. There's no true goal. It's just they've constructed this horror machine. They constructed just this whole situation. And then they made characters to throw into that. And then they just went through the steps. Um, and you see it ha- so often mm-hmm. that they are creating these like false senses of conflict. Because you can't write a scene without conflict. And they were at least good enough to know that. But um, the conflict they made never meant anything. Each scene, they're arguing about something that ends up meaning nothing. Um, Josh and Christian, they argue about like, hey, you're copying my thing. Uh, you're copying my thesis. He's like, but I just want to write about Midsummer, man. And then that ends up being nothing because Josh just dies and it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, and, and so does uh, so does Christian. <laughs> yeah, and then Christian dies and just, but neither tie really into their conflict over the thesis. Um, mm-hmm. Just so much stuff like that is just dropped. Uh, and I'll say you mentioned in the beginning. Um, of talking about Danny, how she had this terrible experience, her that like super traumatizing event where her sister kills her and her family with carbon monoxide. Um, and that was really great. That was really cool. That was a really interesting kill. It was awesome to see just in the beginning of the movie. And it was the same as hereditary where it was that like the girl getting her head like just decapitated right in the beginning there. That was really cool. That was like, wow, that's scary. That made me jump. Um, this one didn't make you jump so much, but it was like, wow, that's really intense. And nothing lived up to that. You do have the couple falling off those rocks and killing themselves and having their heads bashed in and everything. And while that is disturbing, uh, that wasn't continued. That whole that kind of shock that we felt. Um so it was the same thing as Hereditary, where they just right. pulled out their big guns first and were just like, here you go, and then just made you sit through the rest of the movie with high expectations. Yeah, and I suppose uh, that's partially a result of the fact that most of the characters are killed off screen. Yes. Um, which, yeah, I mean, uh, you see that Simon was blood-eagled, which is an incredibly intense death, and he's even, like, still alive, because, uh, you know, that's what it does, so... I mean, it is pretty shocking to find him that way. I mean, you see Josh, his legs sticking out of the ground, and you do see, uh, I mean, Mark isn't even shown until he's brought into the temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with same with uh, Connie. So it is interesting they decided to do it that way. I can't understand the disappointment there. Although I, I guess for me it just works because my, like, my interest isn't even in that you know, like it's not really in how they're dying, um, but just uh, sort of the, I guess, the why as it relates to uh, both the the cult and also Danny. I read you and 
the the two things that this movie does that I'm going to give it good props for is I love that he uh, they tried to use a daytime palette for a horror movie. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, just the color palette is just so atypical of what you see. And it's in- it's interesting just seeing the culture, the whole workings, the inner workings of this cult. However, even with the second one, they let me down because we don't know anything. We just see them do a bunch of weird stuff. Um, and I I think they mentioned like it cleanses us of our sins somehow. And that's that's just so that's so basic cult. Like, who'd you rip that off? Every other cult. But mm-hmm. it's just it's it's absurd just how little they show to you when that is the whole draw of the movie. Because like I said, it's characters being put through just a machine. They're not making meaningful decisions to progress the story. They're not making any kind of actions so that their fate changes in any manner. They're hardly even aware of what's going on. They're they're in denial for most of the movie. Yeah, and I guess I guess really the conflict is like, will they discover that this cult is bad news before they're killed? The answer ends up being no. Uh, because like you have Josh and sort of the idea there, I think, is especially for him, is he gonna figure this out? Um, but his sort of ambition to sort of get a better thesis I would argue gets the better of him as he ends up sneaking into the temple, taking pictures of the texts and ends up being in a perfect spot to, to be killed. And see, that's a, that's a whole fine little mini story of like, Hey, you got to, you got overly ambitious. So boom, you did. Um, but that's so minor and it means so little to the actual movie as a whole. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's simply, I felt like I just watched stuff happen. I didn't feel like I, I was curious in the beginning about this cult because I was like, well, where does this go? Where does this lead? And it just I, I I was left unsatisfied. It was just watching stuff happen. And I, I hate that about a story. That is such poor story. Right. Mm. That is oh, I, I cannot express enough just like how much that disappointed me. And I, I guess for me, that was like in probably for you too, was Texas Chainsaw Massacre was uh, like, you have the situation and he throws some characters at it. You see what happens. Uh, Exactly. So yeah, I I definitely get that. And I guess, and funnily enough, um, I believe Ari Aster was asked essentially to make a, you know, like a pretty generic slasher movie, but just with the sort of cult doing it instead. Mm -hmm. And what he integrated into it was this uh, sort of relationship stuff because he had just I think he had like just gotten out of relationship or something um and that's what he like really integrated in the movie and I I felt that a lot and I was able to follow that because I feel like if I look at the cult as like a backdrop for uh Danny as a character and her relationship and her like figuring stuff out I get a lot more out of it but if you don't like Danny as a character (laughs) And you don't like the backdrop, like yeah, there's really like there's not anything going on to sort of keep you interested. And for me, both char- both of those things, the backdrop and Danny, uh, well, the cults, they just they use them wrong. The cult was just kind of a setting. Um, mm-hmm. I never felt like they were active, especially because they were using drugs so often. Um, drugs, hypnotism, any kind of like little sneaky way of just getting one character to go to another place. It's frankly, it's boring. It's just like, hey, dust in your face. Now you're in a scary situation. Um, you can do that maybe once in a movie, but constantly they were so they were being driven by drugs for the most part. And that's that's a very internal thing. You can put it as much as you want on camera, but like the real feelings behind like a bad trip or something is it's a very internal thing. You can't really watch it and be like, wow, that looks that looks not that I can feel that they're having a bad trip so much. You just you can't relate to that, really. And I, you can have your own bad trip, but like it's not going to translate into like, well, the, she's having this bad trip and like remembering her dead sister and everything. I, I would agree that um, that their method of how they sort of separated characters could feel cheap um, just because I also remember in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, it was almost humorous how like these characters basically just kept on wandering off and getting killed, right? As if they were kind of just walking right into it. And I could also see 
that in this movie. Um, you know, like, I think they try to negate that by having people like Simon and Connie who are, like, actively like, oh, we're going to get out of here. And then they're forced to separate and then, like, killed separately. But I, I will say, though, that I actually thought they did the drug parts rather well. Um, like, there were a lot of subtle details when they did that. I felt that the the characters, their actual expressions were very well done. Like, when uh, Christian is sitting there at the table and he is, you know, he's having a bad trip, as you can see from his expression. He's having a really bad time. And then that, uh, like, commie member, like, claps in his face. And just, like, the way he's almost like a, a really sad kid, like, looks at him and is like, why would you do that? Um, and then of course, when you see any characters, when they're tripping in this movie, they add little subtle effects, especially over greenery and flowers, um, and earth and sort of give this breathing effect. Uh, and just this little things like that. I was able to tell when someone was tripping in this movie and also if they were having a good time or a very not good time. I think they did that part actually quite well. Personally, I don't, uh, trips to me are just, they're not totally a relatable experience. So like if, even if they did the trips themselves, well, it's still just such a weak device to progress your story of like, Hey, you ingested this. So now this happens. Mm -hmm. It's there's, there's still no decision being made. It's just simply a thing forced on them. Um, and I, I'll say you mentioned, that so the simon and connie thing mm -hmm. i the movie i think took two downward turns for me like just big downward spirals um the first one you see in hindsight which is a sister's death and then the rest of the movie is just like it doesn't have any kind of the same shock and i don't necessarily need like the gore or i don't need crazy deaths or anything but i'd still if you're watching a horror movie it feels like a climax at the beginning mm -hmm. And then the rest is just, it feels like you're watching a long epilogue. But then the second one, I think, is where Simon and Connie are killed off. Because they you're right, they were the characters that were like, this is weird, this is wrong, we gotta get out of here. Mm -hmm. And so they were the only ones aware that like this wasn't really a great place for them. So they had the potential to be a driving force of the characters actually taking action in the story. But they they were killed off super quick. And oftentimes when you see something like that happen, they'll kind of hand it off to another character. The, another character is like, hold on. They were questioning all of this and now they're dead. That's kind of suspicious. Yeah. But literally every character wrote it off. They're just like, oh, whatever. People jumping off cliffs, friends disappearing, miscommunication. Am I right? And it's just it. It's so stupid just watching the obliviousness and. Mm -hmm. Obliviousness can work in contrast to something, but it, that was all it was, was obliviousness. And I, I could not take that. Um, right. I, I was going to watch this whole movie last night and because I, I, was, I was back at my house at 1 a.m. And I started watching it last night. And like an hour in, I was like, I just closed my eyes for more than five seconds. I know I will not be able to stay awake for the rest of this. And thank God I watched it in the morning when I was well rested because I would not have been able to stay awake through this movie <laughs> if I were any kind of tired. It would have put me right to sleep. That, 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 that's definitely fair. It's, it's slow. And that, that's also a common critique of it. Although I think that's something that you would be fine with if it didn't have these other issues. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can take a story slow. That's totally fine. But yes, it's um, it's the difference of like when you're driving a car, you have your foot on the gas to start accelerating. You have to choose when you're accelerating rather than just like being towed. And <laughs> just <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It can be the same two hour trip, but there's very different things. happening. I see. I see. Um, yeah. And uh, I, and I could see that. And I think actually, funnily enough, that was a something i found missing i keep going back to uh texas chainsaw massacre because that's one of like the classic slashers that we've watched mm -hmm. and this movie has a lot of slasher things going on um but it is missing that sort of part where you have characters together acting off of each other and being worried about 
what's to come. And then, of course, like you said, you can have obliviousness contrast to that, have some characters who like Christian who are like, oh, you know, it's all good. But then maybe also have a character like Josh being like, I don't know, this is pretty weird. Um, or even Mark, like you can have Mark actually would have been a good character to do that with. Oh, for because sure. Because he's kind of like, like he's the, he's the character that people would kind of put off as like, oh, Mark. Um, mm. I think it would have been good if they had Mark be that contrast, uh, not of obliviousness, but of suspicion. And then you had Josh sort of sort of being suspicious, but as what happens in the movie, you know, he's sort of he has that ambition, especially because of Christian copying his thesis to want to do more here. So he kind of wants to put it off, even though he's smart enough to know that this is bad. Um, and then, of course, Christian, who's just, I mean, not the brightest bulb. Um, now, because they didn't have that, what you do have to work off of is that Danny is suspicious. Um but much like with her sister Terry at the beginning, Christian is able to console her just enough to get her to uh, not do anything until it's too late. So it's sort of a mirror of the beginning for that, which I think is pretty cool. But again, I can see how, uh, especially with the failures of the other characters, how it just doesn't, it just doesn't add up. Um, and characters do seem too oblivious. And I can see how that is a cool, um, kind of a cool juxtaposition that you point out there, how it kind of repeats the beginning. It would have been so much better if Danny had at any point recovered and then she was back to the beginning. Um, she, she never recovered. She was always down about everything the whole time. Right. So it, just, it came off of just like, Hey, here's another thing Danny's upset about. Um, yeah, I guess, what will it be next? I guess the closest they got to that is the end when she's sobbing, but she starts to laugh. Uh, yeah although there is like is that healthy i don't know but she's got a new family <laughs> so and i i, I kind of like that but yeah i i can see how especially since it's right at the end of the movie you don't really get to see her be like yeah now i'm good yeah and and, and like everything you described there mark being the suspicious one um josh being uh remaining like blissfully ignorant uh christian just being oblivious yep. <laughs> and then danny kind of like working around that being our main character uh navigating her way through the world that that would have been a much more interesting movie mm -hmm. and they they could have done so much with that and when you pointed out it's so obvious that that's what you that's how you make the story a real story but they they chose to just have all the characters just be cool with everything mm -hmm. and they they just vibed their way into death that's just all <laughs> i don't <laughs> they just vibed their way into death yeah it's that's i just they, they got towed they got watch. towed into death yeah exactly um, it's just i don't understand it, it blows my mind that you can get away with doing that in a story it's the same like it blows my mind that like when we saw batman v superman and spoiler alert for this movie even though you should have seen it or not chose not to see it because it wasn't great um but batman and superman they get along finally because they're just like your mom's name is martha my mom's name is martha and he's like i won't drive this spear through your that's such a meme and <laughs> and it, it blows my mind that like through a whole team of writers a whole team of producers like so many people read the script before it came out not one person um said are they really going to bond over them being their moms having the same name is that really what we're gonna do and, mm -hmm. the, and then it went through like it's just like it feels like a one in a trillion chance that happened that so many people would remain ignorant to that and that's what it feels like with this movie is that there are so many people that read this and so many people that like proofread it edited it and somehow not someone said it should our characters do something and <laughs> it's it's just it blows my mind that that got through so many people and I give the movie props for trying some new stuff I give it and I think that it's a good one to have in your like horror repertoire if you want to know your horror movies, mm -hmm. because it did do stuff differently. It's it's not bad to see like other styles and stuff, but that doesn't mean it's enjoyable necessarily. Uh, same with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. 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 And and um, and for this movie, I think that uh, because it does a lot of things like on the surface very well, like, uh, for example, the cinematography is beautiful. 
Like everyone knows that this movie's cinematography is shot uniquely and beautifully. Of course, their color palette's really bright. It's different for a horror movie. And it could even be said that perhaps that just distracts from what it's lacking. I'm certain to to an extent it does, depending on the person. Uh, and for me, like that distraction is this dynamic between Danny and Christian. I think just for me personally, um, with my own experiences and whatnot, I, I'm really interested in that dynamic. And that really brings me through the movie. And I'm able to enjoy the aspects they do well, while remaining not quite oblivious, but being able to ignore the parts that they don't do well. Like, for example, what they do with the other characters isn't very creative. It is the same thing with Texas Chainsaw Massacre of like, you know, you realize at the beginning, like they could have, oh, well, they should have waited at the gas station. Well, not really. You know, that guy's also a killer. Um, And so they sort of have the same thing of, well, you could be like, you know, Connie and Simon, you could, you know, run off. But actually, no, then you also die. So there is that sort of you're doomed from the start. And for some people, that's actually quite bothersome of like, well, the characters can't do anything. Um, Although I guess what's more bothersome for you is the fact that they don't try to do anything. And I I would agree if there wasn't this other stuff that I was able to attach to, I could see that being a very big negative for this movie. The fact that you don't get to see the characters try to do anything about their bad situation before it's too late. Yeah, and... Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it did, it felt like a doomed situation. The one thing I say it had going for it was at least some, the characters were trying to survive, it felt like. Where in this, the characters, they didn't, they didn't try at all. Um, even like they, they were equally stupid and just like, hey, let's walk into terrible situations. Let's walk into a weird cult or let's walk into a bad house. Either way, they made terrible decisions in that and uh, they paid for their stupidity mm-hmm. with their lives. But anthropology majors, man. SMH. <laughs> but then they just they just and in, in midsummer they once they were in the bad situation it was just like well that's all. You you're, you're gone. Sorry, pal. Mm-hmm. Um there there was there was no fight. There was no there was no run. There was there was just hey by the way you're dead. It doesn't work. It would have been nice to see some more complexities there on the conflict and they almost did it a couple times like for example they had connie screaming like off in the distance and then you know mark was like you know looking over like huh i wonder what that was and and they even had it with like connie being like that's kind of weird that simon would leave me so they almost did that a few times of like what you would have if say like a character saw the cult like killing someone and then they had to like try to convince everyone else or something. Like, for example, if Mark did that or something, uh, like we were talking about with him being the uh, the one who's trying to get everyone to believe him uh, that something bad is happening here. But yeah, they never quite deliver that, and that is that is problematic. Um, just because yeah, they the characters aren't trying as much as you would like them to, considering their situation, and. They also, and what you described there, someone seeing the killing or something, that would have been perfect for like a chase or like mm-hmm. someone's attempt to do something. And it would have even brought in the trip because like the other cult members could have just been like, sorry, he had a really bad trip. We accidentally gave him too much of this stuff or something. And it would have made that useful in some dynamic um, rather than just sedating our characters into more non-action. Right. Uh, and I that would have been perfect. Like you you're describing a lot of things that would have made this movie a lot more enjoyable. And the truth is uh, what it comes down to is it would have been more enjoyable if our characters did stuff. That's yeah. <laughs> like, that's all I can really say. Uh, char- that, that was a similar thing to, uh, um, what was it? Ring Ringu? Is that it? Yeah. Like, I think that was your main complaint, right? It's just not enough stuff happens. Um, it's not quite the same because I think it was just, actual stuff happening not characters doing stuff but sort of similar in the way of like yeah you want the characters to do more uh so i i definitely get that um that makes sense a story is nothing if not seeing what people do so if people do nothing you don't really have a story you just have a happening and and, and of course we all get different things out of different uh stories um 
And depending on the person, of course, you're going to attach different things, look for different things, and, uh, you know, you'll find it or you won't. Um, and for this movie, especially, uh, I think I looked at some of the reviews on IMDb, and there were a lot of, like, nines and tens, and there were a lot of ones and twos um, of just, like, review-wise of people saying, like, what even is this um, versus people saying, wow, incredible. So, yeah, I th- it depends on what you attach yourself to, but I certainly agree that there were some pretty big parts of it that just didn't deliver and if you if you couldn't look past those big parts because you like uh, other parts so much, then yeah, you're gonna hate this movie for sure. Uh, I mean, ultimately, I don't have too much more to say about it. I'll say that um, this guy Ari Aster is that his name? Ari Aster. Ari Aster, I think. Ari Aster. He um he really likes his climaxes to consist of naked people doing weird things with weird music. <laughs> um, I guess. <laughs> We should we should watch his next movie and see if he does that again. Oh God, I don't know if I can <laughs> take another movie. We'll see. It's, uh, but yeah, I just I I thought that was really weird. I was like, this is like the whole they they spent like a good like five minutes in Hereditary of just people naked people doing weird things with weird music, and you're supposed to sit there and just be like, this is weird. Ah. <laughs> um, and they they did the same thing during that weird sex ritual of just. It just it was confusing, and I was just I get it, it was like a really uncomfortable, weird thing. Uh, Hereditary even did it better because you see the character change in some manner, at least. And this, it was just like this is weird. I'm uncomfy. <laughs> it it worked a little as a plot device of like Danny feeling betrayed and all, but it no, it still it still just felt like it was made to make me uncomfy. Well, I will mention especially when like Ruben was listening in on. I was just like, this is like, this got weird or something. <laughs> Well, uh, I will give one more thing that I think this movie did quite well and that I think Ari Aster is quite good at, and that's foreshadowing. Um, in in Hereditary, for example, like you see in the beginning of the movie, like, uh, you know, this girl like cuts off the head of a bird um, and like other things like that. Like there's a lot of foreshadowing to to what ultimately happens. Um, and this movie was uh, quite, quite good at foreshadowing, I would say, as well. Uh, for instance... Um, near the beginning, you had Pell talking about, or not Pell, but I think they're driving towards the commune, and Mark asks, you know, somewhat humorously, why all the women around here are so attractive. And then Josh answers by saying, because they, you know, went around and pillaged and brought back all the, you know, most attractive babes from everywhere. Um, and that's like foreshadowing as to why Pell really wanted to bring, um, like Danny along, you know? And just like things like that of like, huh, they're kind of going out and bringing people in. Um, and, and there were other times, of course, too. Uh, there was um, multiple times that the, the bear was referenced uh, earlier in the movie with like a painting behind um, behind Danny. And then, of course, that bear uh, ends up being uh, Christian as he's burned alive. Uh, so I. I really liked the the sort of little little drops of foreshadowing that were put throughout this movie. Yeah, uh, I, I and some the one you describe about the Vikings that's a that's an interesting one as I like to call it like hind, uh, foreshadowing in hindsight, which I think adds to a movie's rewatchability. Uh, getting catching on all those little clues that you pay, that that you're like, oh wait, that's that's what exactly what happens here. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes it makes a movie a lot more rewatchable. Um, stuff like the bear, I I consider that like a for fun foreshadowing. Yeah, like the bear was seen in a cage, and it's just like that's interesting. They have a bear, and you forget all about it because so much of nothing happens, and then uh, then you see the bear again, and you're just like, oh yeah, the bear. Yeah, <laughs> and and for me, like I think because it was Ari Aster. I was thrilled because I know he did that sort of stuff in Hereditary. I was kind of looking out for it. So I noted that like in the beginning, uh, I think at one point Danny wakes up and there's a painting behind her of a bear like putting its head in the hands of a princess. Um, there's like a whole painting of it. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder why they went with that. Um, and then like little things like like Josh saying that thing, like those are things that I was paying attention to because I, I knew it was an Ari Aster movie. So I'm like, he's going to... He's going to put some little pebbles here and there for shadowing. And, you know, some of it, we won't know what it means until the end, like with the bear. 
Uh, so I really, I really like that stuff. It's cool. The one pebble I did pick up on was Mark was just like, we're going to get so many Swedish babes, dude. We're going to have so much sex. And, um, and then finally that did happen and it was, it was grotesque, uh, which I think is an interesting thing to do in a horror movie is take a fun idea and then warp it. Right. <laughs> uh, so they got that. Good job, dudes. But yeah, um, so that, that's the last thing I'll say. But yeah, uh, I guess, do we want to get into the uh, surveys? Yeah. Yeah, we for sure can. Um, so we, the, as we said, our audience gave this a 7.7 in how they enjoyed this movie, how much they enjoyed it. And our next question, how much did it startle you? And these are kind of all over the board. We have a couple eights and we have as low as a two. Then we got threes and sixes, but that's that's it. It's, it's just everywhere. Some people were mad. St- I don't. I actually don't know what in this movie. I guess seeing the blood eagle thing for the first time would have startled a little I bit. I think also, especially the. Uh, I think the. Um, oh, the suicide. Yeah, the suicide at the beginning uh, can be quite startling for some people, and also the, uh, the two elders jumping off the cliff. Uh, just oh yeah, how they show to all of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd say both. <laughs> um. But yeah, those those sorts of things I think can be quite startling. Yeah, I, I guess that startled me a bit. Um, more in just like, wow, they did a good job with those effects, which they did. Yeah, they did. I was impressed with those. <laughs> um, how much did this movie disturb you? Two people gave it a ten. Holy crap! Um, did did this movie disturb you, Ian? We have a couple of threes, fours, and sevens. Uh, yeah, I I'd say it. I'd say it was disturbing. Um, yeah, personally, like it wasn't. Like, um, I can't say like too much, like it's not something that I would like continue to hold in my brain. Uh, like that, that's kind of how I rate. And I think how a lot of people rate, like how disturbing something is, is how often do you hold on to it? Like, does it keep coming into your mm-hmm. head and you're like, Ugh. um, uh, it's similar to startled, but it's, it's a little different. Um, and I said startled instead of scared because I realized that yeah. that can be overlapping. That's a good call. But, uh. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably give it like a, I'd give it a six out of ten disturbing. I think it's, I think it's more disturbing than like an average disturbing movie would be for me. Yeah, I mean, I was really upset for a good like hour after I finished the movie <laughs> just because I was like, this was so bad. Is that, was that was disturbing about, for you? Disturbing. Like 10 out of 10? Yeah, that was very, that was very disturbing for me. Yes. Chicken um. pie <laughs> made me think of my burnt chicken pot pie disturbing. Yeah, exactly. I got, I started tasting it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, uh, uh, but as for like, did the movie actually disturb me? No, I was, I was like, this is weird stuff. Neat. Yeah, so you'd probably um, be like a, a two yeah. or something on the disturbing scale. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Uh, here's the fun party, and we have our paths of fear. We only have three paths this time. Yeah, I so I figured, you know, why do we always do four? I'm just going to do, like, good ones I can, like, think of. So No, that's fair. Also gives me less options to choose from, so I'm right more often. Um, but uh, that's just definitely not, just a, even more wrong definitely not a more, not, not a motivation <laughs> at all. Well... <laughs> Our first one is the grotesque display of human body mutilation. The next we have the idea of feeling desperately alone, even among those you've surrounded yourself with. And the last one is the helplessness that comes with being in an unfamiliar place among unfamiliar people. Hmm. Which do you think took the cake, Ian? Um, <laughs> only three options. It's still hard. Is it the loneliness one? The idea of feeling desperately alone? Okay. Well, what do you think is the least? So between the grotesque display of human body mutilation and the helplessness of being in an unfamiliar place. Hey, you know what? Mutilation isn't that bad, right? All right. So you did get mutilation, right? Uh, The one that took the cake was the helplessness. I was, I thought it might be. um, I wasn't sure. I find when helplessness comes into the comes into factor i think that's really what scares people most overall it tends to be the more popular choice whenever we include it in some way shape because i think just as people like being helpless is about as bad as it gets yeah like like with teeth i think um like the most scary one was what being attachable vulnerable right Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah i think i think that tends to take the cake i should have gone with it but yeah makes sense well it could have been worse Ian. you didn't flip-flop it so you got that going for you (laughs) <laughs> true um 
So we have our survey question. Does the cult in the movie seem like it could exist in real life somewhere in the world? Why or why not? Uh, I didn't give this too much thought myself. I, I was just like, this is because for me, it was a weird horror machine that they just kind of created. So I guess if I were thinking about it, I probably would have gone with no, because it's too specific to just have these characters go through this process. Like I would have needed to see interesting, unique things more. Right. Um, than just like, hey, let's have them be this kind of weird so that our characters end up being drugged or something. I don't it's weird. Um how about you, Ian? Did you feel like it could exist? I, I'd actually say yes. Realistic, no. But like just the cult itself of like you know, and how the the seasons work and everything and how they like decide roles and jobs like uh, based on age with like the seasons of the year. I, I thought it was actually quite well put together and it seems quite um, like it, like it could be real to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I found most realistic, I suppose, was that hell he talks about like how it's a place where everybody belongs and like people don't which i think is just really kind of a quality of like all cults there's just a sense of belonging so of course people do look for that kind of like familial sense totally and something else they do is that they mentioned how they all care for the baby the the babies right and that like the mother was gone somewhere like on a pilgrimage or something and someone in the chat mentioned that maybe they do that so that the baby's more dependent on the cult than the parent Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, and, and it's also, and it's, so first of all, it's very common, I think, in cults for everyone to, like, care for the babies and stuff, and and usually, like, a good way. Like, it's, you know, helping people out, like, babysitting for each other, like, you can kind of rely on them um, to care for your kids, like, that, I think that's very a common, good commune attribute. Uh, but then it's also a, another one of sort of, like, trying to and there's so many different methods for doing this, but trying to make it difficult for the family to leave. And one of the ways of doing that is to sort of separate in some way the kids from the parents, uh, whether like it's emotionally or um, through rituals or whatnot, like make it difficult to leave as a familial unit. Um, Mm. Shunning frequently is involved. Yeah, that sort of stuff. So I thought that was well done and interesting. Well, our audience, our first one is, they say yes, because I've heard of rural towns in America that are cult towns, which have similar vibes. Uh, I don't doubt there's some of those. Honestly, you can find a lot of crazy stuff in a lot of places. Uh, coming from the South and from rural areas, I could I could see some people getting behind this. <laughs> it, something like this. I'm, I'm, there are some loons. There you go. Um... So they say no, because it just seemed like a mesh of the most weird rituals the movie creator could find. I would agree with that. Yeah, it, it felt like they just threw stuff out there that was like, this is weird. Go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if they're making a cake and they're like, this flavor's sweet and this flavor's sweet. So, of course, they go together. Um, yeah, and, and I, I could see especially like if you're really into uh, like Swedish or like Scandinavian like history and rituals, you know, I mean, they had a blood eagle in there, but. Yeah, I could see how it just it won't seem as planned out as you might expect or as fitting for Sweden. Um, so, yeah, I could see how it might feel like it's just and it, it certainly might have been just a mishmash of uh, of different uh, batshit crazy cult stuff. <laughs> yeah. Our next one is, I don't think it's entirely outside the realm of possibility, but in the modern world, I think it would be incredibly unlikely. Uh, I don't doubt if there is some like long-standing cult that has some weird traditions, but I think that for them to get away with serial killings like this, like just regular killings, I think that would be a little tricky to pull off. But hey, maybe not. Sometimes you can just grab a guy off the street and they're just like, well... Who knows where that guy went? Yeah, true. And I mean, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it very much depends. I think I think a part of the cult that in this movie, uh, like this person brought up, of doesn't seem like it could be real in the modern world, probably. Uh, for me, that makes sense because you're relying on these kids to go out and do pilgrimage, like do pilgrimages in like 18 years in length. 
18 mm-hmm. years is a long time to be like on a college campus and like have internet and like clothes and like go out with friends and like like make friends like that's a very long time to one be out and expose to the modern world and two uh be a far away from home with you know probably not a lot of contact with the cult uh and so like how do you maintain that uh uh how do you retain enough that, like, fervor? loyalty yeah and like yeah. loyalty to come back and bring friends um to be killed and i don't know if they you know do that every midsummer or if it's just the 90 year festival uh or maybe the other years they're just trying to get people to join the cult and it's not quite as weird uh of violence but uh that that does seem difficult for sure yeah it uh and like there's no way you don't get educated in some manners outside of the world and i feel like with any degree of education you're going to be able to look critically at your cult so yep yeah it does seem tricky yeah, look critically at your beliefs in general that's, that's yeah why some people don't like people going to college <laughs> mm-hmm. and they teach you the devils <laughs> that's right um. <laughs> <laughs> uh an excellent is i do think it could exist whether or not it's to the extremes that this movie went to who knows but there are some twisted people out there i mean there's definitely cults out there uh so yeah i there's and that's the question is like could they be so extreme like this one that's hard to say true and 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 there are like communes out there that are probably very nice and like good to be in um I think the the only the, I think more real problems that arise out of cults uh, are like you know being separated from family if you leave forcefully and also like uh, lack of individuality um, such as like I it's I think it's quite common because everyone takes care of the kids you don't always get to decide when you want to have a kid but I think if you're like up for it and you're like yeah I want to do it like it seems like oh you know what it could be good depending on the person yeah and the commune uh, definitely depending on the commune i like this next one they say came off like scandinavian folk co- culture crossed with a dexter death displays no it truly looks like something that could only happen in movie land i'd say that yeah the crazy blood eagle stuff and uh a lot of the weird things that they have in there it does strike you as more movie land uh and I think that partially comes from the mishmash. It just seems like everything that could be weird is weird about them. Well, uh, it could be weird. <laughs> there, there, there's definitely weird thing, weirder possibilities, but like, it's just I do agree that like to this extreme, I don't think that you would have something like this. Yeah, especially with so people have this knack for wanting to understand and control things that they don't understand. And so, like, if, where wherever this would be happening, there would be some kind of, like, local government or local, um, I don't know, just some kind of agency that investigates them in some manner or keeps tabs on them somehow. Yeah, it, it um, would seem likely, especially in a country such as Sweden, that they would, you know, send someone to take a look. They're like, yeah, exactly. You know, the United States is like, you know, we've had a lot of Americans going to your country and not coming back. You know, I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, and then like, that's what Sweden's that's like. What huh, I guess we should we should probably look at that. Yeah, you know, oh, man, they must be living here illegally. Well, maybe. <laughs> um, but I mean, they do cremate everyone, so you just go to this cult and you're like, oh, that's a nice ash tree. <laughs> Um, this next one is so you founded your own cult what do you call it and how do you celebrate every 90 years Uh, our first one is that one cult every 90 years we get together to throw our hands up and go woo 90 years nice then everyone goes home (laughs) that's nice you know what it's a wholesome cult yeah Uh, our next one is no that's fair (laughs) it wasn't that's probably right yeah it was an optional question you can say no Mm. Uh, our next one is Roxana, uh, or Xena, Roxena, Roxena. I don't know. But every ninety years, we would reboot Xena Warrior Princess. Also, every Saturday night of that year, we would all paint ourselves blue and dance and play music under the moon all night. 
Uh, I know that's I know who that is. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. So this person used an evil organization name generator. Their cult will be named Taint. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and every ninety years, in celebration of Taint and all of its followers, which for sure would be millions. I mean, come oh, on. Yeah. We would break into random people's houses and flip them like Chip and Joanna Gaines. <laughs> the cult revolves around all these. Oh my god. That's fair. Just like uh, every night, it's like a it's like a purge, but instead of purging people, you're just like flipping people's houses. People just come home and they scream. They're like, "Oh my gosh, they redid our tile, and we have a new backsplash and granite countertops and an open floor plan." I felt very silly because they said like we would break into people's houses and flip them. I thought they were talking about the people. Like I thought they just flipped them in bed, <laughs> like a like a pancake. <laughs> They're just like, what the fuck? And then you just, you just bid. <laughs> it's like tipping cows. You're just like yeah, exactly. flipping people. <laughs> uh, huh, now you're sleeping upside down. Don't you feel like a chump? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, the f Our next one is, the first step in bringing an idea to life is putting pen to paper. A quote from Drew Scott, the better half of the Property Brothers. Wait, is this another HGTV one? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. I I think this person might be starting a cult. <laughs> Making the planes. Well, on. hey, I mean DIY, DIY your own cult. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, my cult is based on a shared appreciation of film. Every ninety years, we screen a premiere with a new plot twist. Folks are dying for an invitation. <laughs> That, I don't like that ominous ending. Are you killing people in your cult? Well, I think it might be because it's every 90 years. So, like, yeah. you die before you even get invited. I guess it's fair. But That's sort of the problematic part of doing every 90 years. It's like, who starts it? Because they're probably not going to make it to the first one. Yeah, well, what, I was also thinking, like, let's say you have a kid the year before, you know? Or, like, it's very easy to, like, be born, like, so yeah, you you're born the year before it happens. So you're maybe like two when it happens, uh, one or two years old when it happens, mm -hmm. and so you don't get to remember it. And then you're dead by the time the next one. Like some people just don't get to experience this. True. I, I probably should change it to something more like like every five years or every year instead. But I was like, well, the movie does every ninety years. Let's see what people come up with. Yeah. Apparently, it's HGTV flipping houses, which is you know, mm -hmm. cool. I like it. If that's what gives you cult inspirations, go for it. There's worse inspirations. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, that's all our survey stuff, Ian. Do you have anything you wanna you wanna add before we go? I wonder what I wonder what my cult would be named and what it would do. Uh, I'm I'm with the person who said no. I just want to have a cult. That'd be too weird for me. Yep. And people being uh, like I don't. I think that I could be charismatic enough to have people uh, take what I say as like, hey, that's a good idea. Yeah, I think if you were confident in the idea of starting a cult, you could do it. But I, I just would be uncomfortable, and then those people would bother me all the time. That's what that's what, <laughs> that's the big drawback for me. They'd be like, "Please, Marshall, what do we do about the storms?" And I'd be like, "I don't know. Shut up." I'm trying to play my games. Born to be a Twitch streamer, not not a cult leader. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, personally, uh, I was I was hoping that you'd start a cult with me. I kind of want to do like a based on a horror movie thing. We could like call it oh. Paths of Fear and like watch horror movies every Friday. Like it won't be too oh. cultish, but it'd be like a little cultish, you know? Do we kill people? Um. Yeah, well, you know, uh, so, well, it was it was actually it's censored because I edited the episode. No, you'll never hear. Oh, it. that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, overall, I would say Midsummer. Uh, add it to your repertoire if you're a horror movie kind of person, but otherwise, I would not recommend it. Yes, and. And, like, while I did really enjoy it, like, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, and, like, yeah, it just, it got me. Uh, for whatever reason, like, it had enough elements that I was really happy with that I really enjoyed it. 
Uh, that being said, uh, it's it's not for everyone. Um, so hey, if you're if you're experimental with your horror movies, I think you should watch it. You might not like it, but if you're experimental, I think it's worth a shot. Yeah, uh, there's a, there's this idea with experimental films that like we watch them, and oftentimes they will bore us, but they give us insight, and they are art to be appreciated somehow. And that's how I'd view Midsummer. Yeah, it's it's like an experimental film. And it's got really interesting aspects that I think even people who really dislike it will notice. Um, but it might not be enough to distract from its flaws. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for stopping by, guys. We have been Paths of Fear. You can uh, stop by that Discord link that we have in our description if you want to come join our audience and be a part of our surveys. It voice your opinion a little bit. We also will pick up streaming here within this next week. Uh, is what I have decided. Nice. And Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, it should be a fun time. Uh, so yeah, thank you all so much for coming around. Anything else? Uh, anything I forget to plug in? Well, I mean, have you no faith in me uh, creating passivefear.com? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Go to passivefear.com. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be much right now, but if, soon it will be something. <laughs> Literally like a 404 error page not found right now. But hey, one day, one day I'm gonna we'll get it. I'm gonna make it. I just have to uh, find a hosting service and then create the website. Easy as that. Easy. As mm-hmm. that. Two easy steps. <laughs> it's a two-step process. <laughs> Step two: make the websites. Yeah. <laughs> Step three: profit. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you all so much. Y'all have a good one. Yeah. Bye, everyone. <laughs>